Hello and welcome to the Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley. We are back here after nine matches of the Premier League season. For most of the teams, I'm a whatever. And as everyone knows, ten matches is the point at which you're allowed to say things. And at nine matches, you should say nothing. So, you know, we don't really believe that. We've never believed that. We did a whole podcast about not believing that. What we do instead is slowly, gradually update our priors with each new piece of information that comes in. And for some reason, people listen to a podcast where we do that. We really should, like, take a lot wilder swings than this. But nonetheless, here we are. Here you are. Thank you for listening. I'm joined by Mike Goodman, and we're going to talk about why Arsenal are going to win the league and Liverpool are, are a mid-table team and a disaster and Klopp's got to go. Let me tell you, given some of the other stuff we're talking about this week on the podcast, we're taking plenty of content swings here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the music you heard on the way is The Whalers. Please download, subscribe, make us happy as podcasters over at patreon.com slash doublepivot. If you want to hear about the poker controversy, we've got like, it was supposed to be like 40 minutes on it, man. I don't know what's wrong with us. So <laughs> anyway, that's at patreon.com slash double pivot. And we are going to talk about Arsenal Liverpool. And I think we can dispense with the game itself reasonably quickly in terms of what it actually means. It's What it means is somewhat more interesting than the actual uh, competi- tactical and player competition on the on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's like some mildly interesting things about the match. So in, in, the, in the first half, this seems like a match in which like Liverpool are supposed to be dominant, right? They give up three shots. You concede twice. Like, usually that's a match where you say, oh, gee, we were unlucky. And then you look at the three shots that they conceded, which were like, what, like one and a half XG? Somewhere in that range? I don't remember what it exactly was. Right, a tap in a one-on-one and a good chance. I mean, like, you could argue that that Jesus' chance from an angle isn't great and he does a lot with it, but whatever. Like, when you have the other two chances, arguing about the Jason's chance is fairly academic. And then, on the flip side, they only get five shots of their own for, like, I think it was, like, two-thirds of an XG, basically. Which, again, like, very small sample sizes. Don't don't hang a lot on the individual XG number, but the idea is that, like, they held Arsenal to three shots, two of which were great, but they only got five of their own, none of which were all that great. And and so you, you go in down to one, and, like, that is just a half that is very indicative of what Liverpool's season has been like, which is they are not converting the middle part of the field into success at either end it is breaking down both at the finishing end and at the like the not giving up great chances end and then the second half is a little bit different yeah like the both halves are worrying for liverpool but in different ways that's right because the first half i after arsenal went up they did that thing where they stopped really trying to have the ball for much of the first half. And Liverpool, uh, Klopp had set them out there without Fabinho, set them out in a a double pivot of Henderson and Thiago with uh, just an incredible number of shots up front. You've got Darwin up top, 
Jata behind him and Sala and Diaz on the wings. And what I kind of thought is that if you let this Liverpool team with this front four have the ball, you are going to give up a lot of good chances. And Arsenal did end up giving up, you know, a couple of good chances. And there was a, a they also have the, the doesn't the best save in the half by right. Ramsdale yeah. comes from you know it's a deflect Saliba like he has to just reach out and try to get this away because it's going to be a tap in if he doesn't and he ends up sort of kicking it you know it back to Ramsdale Ramsdale has to make a save and so you know that that is sort of a chance there was another chance but like it was a lot less it's only five total shot attempts it. It was weird that they weren't able to do this. Part of this is, you know, Arsenal defending quite well. But you would have expected more from that. And I kind of thought, honestly, that if the game continued in this vein, if Arsenal continued to let Liverpool have more like 60% possession, that it was eventually not going to work for them. But really, in the first half, it more or less did, even if it wasn't the ideal way to play. Right, and then and then Trent has to come off at halftime, and then Diaz gets hurt, and I think Trent is probably the bigger miss here, because I think what happens in how they're set up in in, in the four two three one is like even with Thiago as as part of this double pivot, it's a little bit of a broken team, like sort of idea here, which is that you keep the double pivot in reserve to guard the back line. And the front four stays high and you have to get the ball into the front four. And like, well, you know, as a, as a progressive passer, Trent is the best right back in the world at progressing, you know, at progressing the ball up the field as a passer. And, and you're relying on that a lot. And then he comes off and they can't really do that. And then like everything kind of changes. Yeah, so Trent comes off and they're struggling to, 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 to possess the ball and move it forward. And Arsenal are putting a good bit more pressure on them. I, I, I think that there's a, there's a question here of to what degree this was like, you know, a tactical switch that is made at halftime and to what degree this is like, well, they don't have the guy who kept breaking us apart every time. Right. And so we can push higher and, and, and not get burned. But in either case, uh, possession is more like 50-50 in the second half. And Liverpool only get one shot out of the whole half. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah. you think for a while, like, maybe they're going to, like, escape with a draw here. And then they don't. And, like, part of having an unlucky season is is not getting lucky sometimes in these moments as well. And I think that, like, what we're seeing from Liverpool is clearly, like, one of those, like, combination play bad, run bad situations. Um, but but this, they were clearly the second best team here. It's just they they maybe on another day escape with a draw. Yeah, and the, 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 obviously their one shot is converted. It's 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 a you know it's a little bit higher xG than my numbers thought, but nonetheless, like there's there are defenders there, and Firmino puts a really nice strike on the ball, and so you know the other thing I think is interesting with the luck here is that. It's quite clear, I think, from watching the game and the statistics fully back this up, that Arsenal were the better team on the day. And they were much better in the second half and they were none and they were better in the first half. At the same time, 
There were a whole bunch of really crucial breaks that went their way to get the win because of the way that the refereeing broke down. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you have three moments in this game, two marginal penalty calls and one, like, bizarre VAR situation. All three of them go Arsenal's way. And, like, you know, that's that's kind of that kind of stuff happens. Week in, week out, year in, year out. Some teams run good, some teams run bad. It equals out in the long run. The long run is not necessarily a season, all that jazz. Um, Exactly. And so, like, if this game ends up 3-3 because one of those gets changed, if, like, Liverpool win because one of those gets changed, the narrative coming out of this game is massively different because, like, a couple of breaks went differently. Right. But, like, outside of those breaks, like, you know— that Arsenal that that Arsenal push on the first goal where Saka may have been marginally offside on an early ball that doesn't really affect actually like analyzing what happens over the course of that break the the possible penalty on Gabriel like maybe it's a penalty but it definitely isn't a really dangerous bit of Liverpool attacking right yeah no i think i think that that's right i think that this is a, this is a game that was quite easy to analyze in terms of who was better overall but what had quite a lot of variance baked into it in terms of what the result was going to be and it is just sort of the luck of the needle draw that the like that the result ends up here matching the balance of performance and it really does like it really it does like 3-2 slim margin victory to arsenal is in fact what was the what was indicated by the balance of play yeah with a little bit of hot finishing in there and so like i think that the question coming out of this is you know how far are we like turning that little dial with each 90 minutes that comes in of you know arsenal outplaying liverpool so I want to start on the Arsenal side because I think what I've been convinced of by Arsenal is that the best version of Arsenal is better than we thought coming into the season. Like, I think the best version of Arsenal right now, given where Liverpool are, given where Spurs are, given where Chelsea are, is the second best team in the Premier League. Um, I still don't think we have a handle on what the less good versions of Arsenal over the course of a season might be. And look, there are seasons where you get a good run and you don't ever actually really have to deal with the less good versions of yourself and try to scuttle to results in, in, in whatever way possible. Or that like the way you rotate players and when injuries happen mean that you only see the less good version in the Europa League and it doesn't show up in the Premier League, or or whatever reason. So I'm pretty convinced right now that the good, ver- the best version of Arsenal is the second best team in, in, in the Premier League. Um, I think we've seen them have to rotate their fullbacks and be okay with that. But other than that, like, you know, Gabriel, Saka, Martinelli, I guess Party's been in and out a little bit. Um, Odegaard, Xhaka and to a lesser degree party, are all guys that are just, like, been healthy all year, and all of them are guys that I have questions about how good this team would be without, right? 
that's a lot of guys to have those many questions about when you're talking about, okay, how good are we going to be over the course of the season? So I, I have significant questions sort of on that front. But on the just, like, how good is good Arsenal? The answer is very good, I think. Yeah, it, it seems, that seems very clear. And, like, you can imagine any of Spurs or, you know, Chelsea or Liverpool playing this well. Sure. But right now they are not. And at the beginning of the season, I do not think I would have said, well, Arsenal's top end is the same as those other teams. But the caveat here is that you can look at Chelsea, you can look at Liverpool, and you can say, here are the reasons why they have not played this well to date. And if those reasons are resolved, or Liverpool, it's, that's, we're going to get into that very, that very question, and it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea, it's, it's kind of like, look, they changed managers, you know. And the concerning thing about Spurs is that it is harder to find a reason to say, look, yep. they have not played at their top level, right? Like they've been I, – I, I know Kulusevsky has gotten hurt uh, over the last week and a half, two weeks. But, like, you brought in Richarlison, like, specifically for the purpose of depth at that position. And, like, they've been mostly healthy – They've played mostly the guys they want to play. I guess, like, Romero's been in or out or whatever. But, it, like, the guys they have missed, except for possibly Kulusevsky, have not been the guys that that seem to be the reason why they are not playing as well as you'd like them to be playing. And so yeah, the, the, stuff, the stuff you're saying about Spurs here, what they're missing, is just not that different from Zinchenko and Party missing some time. Right. That's exactly right. And, and so, you know, it's a little bit more concerning for Spurs, I think. But... I think the real interesting question here is is Liverpool, right? Like, the flip side of this is, like, so we, we sort of, like, it's pretty easy to look at Arsenal and just be like, yeah, they're, they're, they're good, but, like, let's see how good they are if they have to be good without their sort of A package. And I think that that's a fair question about them. But, like, if I told you nine games ago that that was the question we were going to have after nine games, as an Arsenal fan, you'd be thrilled, right? Yep. What is the way that Liverpool... The question for Liverpool, I think, is twofold. How bad are they, and what is the way that they get better? Yeah, and, and like, so part of this is that, you know, while this team is 2-4-2, two, and two, uh, they've got a plus-8 goal difference and a plus-4 expected goal difference, which are, like, you know, fairly in the top six in the Premier League. And so they are in 10th, but they've got a game in hand, and their underlying numbers are definitely closer to the top than to the middle. And, like, among their underlying numbers is, like, how many goals they've scored and conceded. So I I think the, the main thing here with Liverpool is that what we're talking about is much more the degree to which this is... If we've got them now in six-ish, and we thought that we had them second coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a real reason why the impression differs from the numbers, and that's just because they won one game 9-0 with a ton of, you know, expected goal, positive expected goal difference coming from that match. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
we are like we've we've talked a lot about this. We, you did a study about it that like that, that's not a discountable like like you shouldn't be discounting those numbers because they happen to be in one match. Like the ability to do that is part of how you measure if a team is good. At the same time, if you're talking impressionistically, like a lot of the good of, of the evidence that they are good came in a very compressed time frame. And a lot of the evidence that you're concerned about how good they are has come in, like, the other seven of the eight games, right? Like, mm-hmm. that said, like, yes, I... We said at the beginning of the season, there was concern that all of these parts were probably not exactly fitting together. And it was going to be an interesting and difficult managerial job to fit them together. And, like, that's basically what's happening. Except they're also not really winning games, but they're not winning games at a rate that is not exactly indicative of their performance. So, I just, I don't know how you put all that together. Like, it's very hard to, like, put together, like, a like a, a cohesive story of this is what Liverpool are and this is what Liverpool will be. Yeah, and I mean the you know the funny thing is you add in the Champions League and you it just it's even worse because they dominated Ajax and they solidly beat Rangers and they got absolutely whooped by Napoli. Right. And that nets out like a little positive, but also they got like completely whooped by Napoli and that that'll that'll stick in your craw. I I think that I think that it makes sense to me to start in that sixth or seventh place rather than sort of dig around too much in like, okay, if you take out their best game, they look more like an average team. But them being that far down with this squad, like it's starting to, you know, you keep ticking more and more toward all of the problems that we flagged that we said well, probably Jurgen Klopp will figure out a way to fit all of these pieces together and make them work. It's not happening. And it's not happening because some of these pieces, like, that are supposed... Like, like Jordan Henderson. The utility of Jordan Henderson at this point is becoming less and less clear. And he keeps being asked to play very important roles because, like, they've got a limited number of midfielders. They certainly have a limited number of midfielders who play deep. And he has for a long time been a crucial player in this midfield. But, like, man, against Arsenal, like, he was just not giving them anything. Yeah, I, I think Jordan Henderson is, 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 is sort of like a good window into the Liverpool problem. Because you look at that performance against Arsenal, and you don't say Jordan Henderson was Liverpool's problem, right? You don't, you don't, you don't like zero in on Jordan Henderson and go, well, if Jordan Henderson had been replaced by Fabinho from kickoff, this team would have been fine or good. Uh, you know, there were a lot of other sort of problems across the field that were a little bit more pressing than Jordan Henderson. But when Liverpool are going well, what you get from Jordan Henderson is the ability to recover from a lot of other little problems. You know, Trent's a step slow here, 
Jordan Henderson covers. Defense is closing in on Tiago. Jordan Henderson progresses the ball. You know what I mean? Like, what Jordan Henderson is doing as a player, where his utility comes from, is, you know, the phrases like like floor raising, right? Like, he raises the floor of Liverpool because he's covering for lots of little things that could be problems that don't become problems. Now, all of a sudden, all of those little problems get a little bit bigger, and Jordan Henderson gets a little bit worse at covering for them. And... Things don't work, right? And now you can do other things to make things, to to cover for some of those problems, to make some of those things work better. You can build sort of this broken, like, like, you know, 4-2-3-1-ish, almost 4-2-4-ish system. But then, and that can sort of work for a half. And then Trent gets injured and that whole thing breaks down because now you can't get the ball up to the front. So now you have to do something else. And... We knew that Klopp was going to have to mix and match to solve things. I don't think we really appreciated just how precarious the balancing mechanisms of this squad were. And I'm not sure Liverpool did. As Henderson has gotten a little older, Milner's gotten a lot older, like Firmino's gotten a little bit older, and that he's he's actually having a very good goal scoring and attacking year, but he's not as mobile a presser and as active a presser as he once was. Elliot is just like a little too flimsy in midfield to really offer solutions without causing problems that Jordan Henderson has to solve or Fabinho has to solve. And when you have both Fabinho and Henderson problem solving, you don't have Tiago, so you can't really move the ball. Like, all of these cascading and intermittent problems have just not, like, there hasn't been a solution. And then on top of that, you've had a whole bunch of injuries. So, like, a whole bunch of the lineups you're rolling out there are not really seeking solutions. They're like, we've got a bunch of pieces that don't really fit in each other, with each other, but these are the guys that are healthy, so these are the guys that have to go. And then by the time now that they're kind of starting to get healthy, you're in a very different place. You know, one could imagine an alternate world season where they all started healthy, and by the time we got nine games in, they had established a system with these players that worked, or the sort of set of systems of moving players in and out that worked. Instead, you sort of spent the first two months of the season flying by the seat of your pants, and like throwing out there whoever's healthy, not being great, and now you don't have like now now you're two months in and you're eight games in and you don't have time to do that. Like you're far enough behind that you just gotta win games. And there's not like an eleven that you can just throw out there to win games. And here we are. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the weird things in this game, and, and like I think it is, I'm not saying that this is definitely something that's going on because uh you know Mo Salah is is decidedly not having like a bad season uh he did have a bad game and one notable thing that has really gone down in his numbers is that he is being targeted less for passes on the right wing he is successfully receiving a smaller percentage of those passes and fewer of them are line breaking progressive passes all of those things are down a bit this year against arsenal 
Like, this was, like, really, really strong. Tomiyasu played a great game against him, but I kept thinking that, like, now is the time that they're just going to find Mo on the wing. And only 50% of his targets were received. Only one was a progressive pass. And, like, this was just a bad game. He's had many better games than this. He's having a good season. But if he's a step slower too, while all of these other things are going on, and he can't be the guy, or at least can't regularly be the guy who fixes all of it, like, all of these are little ticks downward. And yeah, so, I'm not- so to me about Salah, it's, what if he can't be the guy that regularly fixes all of it? You know, he's, I think that, like, the, the vast majority of worlds where everything else on Liverpool is working as well, Mo Salah would be just as good as he was last year, right? But what you're asking from him this season all of a sudden is to, like, flow into a gap and you have to be even better to achieve the same outputs. And that I do not know if he can do. Um, Like, like to say about Mo Salah, like, you have to be better than you were last year to put up the same numbers. Is like insane when you consider how good he was last year and his age and everything. And like, it's just like a very, and, and there are just very few places on this team where I look and say, this is a guy who can be even better to make up for the places where this team has gotten worse. And like, you sort of hope Diaz would be that guy, maybe. But he'd only been at Liverpool for six months, and now he's out for a while anyway. Um, maybe if Jota is healthy for a run of games, you could see him being that guy. And I do sort of wonder if him starting at the 10 was like, like that's sort of what you're hope, where you're hoping to go to get this team unstuck. Although now that Diaz is out, I assume what we're going to see a lot is Jota moving out to the left wing. With Nunez at top, up top, and Firmino underneath him, we'll see. Um, but yeah, like it's just like, where are you? Like, who is the player that is going to be better than they were last year as a path to fixing things? Like, I think what we've seen with with a lot of the older guys is you were hoping they'd be as good, and you were probably have lost that bet, right? You've probably lost that bet with Henderson. You've definitely lost that bet with Milner. You've, like, despite Firmino's goals, you've kind of lost that bet with Firmino and his mobility. So, like, those guys aren't as good. Somewhere else you need to get better. And it's, like, kind of unfair to ask that to be Mo Salah, given how good he is. But it's got to come from somewhere. And, like, you know... Nunez is, is I, he's, I think he's a fine, he's going to be a very good goal scorer. Like, I'm not into, like, the, the Nunez discourse about, like, you know, he can't, whatever. Shut up. He'll score goals. Um, but, like, he's not going to do the other things. Like, and you got him specifically predicated on the idea that he wouldn't have to. But somebody has to. Yeah. And, and then the other really bizarre thing is that Trent's shot production has dried up. And, and, like, his progressive passing, all of that is, like, even better. His passing into the penalty... He, he's at 4.4 passes into the penalty area per 90 right now. Like, these are, like, messy numbers. 
and none of them are becoming shot. And I kind of think that that part is probably just some weirdness, especially when you do the kind of passing that Trent does that tends to be a little higher risk, higher reward. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a little less sold that there is something going on there, but like, it's another little piece that isn't quite there, and like, do I think that Trent's shot production has dried up even he's he's one of the best creative passers other what no but could it be a little bit worse could he be being leaned on to do a little bit extra that isn't quite working like and I, I think another important thing here is we're talking about Trent's uh attacking numbers and the fact that he doesn't have an assist this season and that his his xa xga is quite low um the defensive side of things also while it has been this huge thing this huge story about like trent being a probably like trent's always been a below average defender and the systems have always been built to make things to 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 to, to protect it we talked a ton about the way that they've used henderson in this way particularly and right now he doesn't have that i i do think that like you watch him and he is just like a, a little bit slower, a little bit like I don't. He seems a little bulkier. Like he's a like he's gotten bigger and stronger, and he's not quite the guy he used to be because so you know, that's normally happens when you get older. Like there's just like little little things that don't seem quite right. So I think the Trent defensive thing reminds me more than anything else of Eden Hazard, and this is a weird comparison. Eden Hazard's best years at Chelsea were under Jose Mourinho. And Jose Mourinho freed him up from a lot of defensive responsibilities. But the basic tactical deal that they struck was, I don't need you to defend frequently. But those times when I need you to defend, I need you to be committed to the task. And what it seems like to me when I watch Trent is that that was his deal for the last three years. Like, he's up the field all the time, and Klopp has talked about this. He's often the first presser when they lose the ball because he is so far up the field, and that is his job, and people are supposed to cover him behind him. And, like, the times when he has to be a committed defender in his own half have just been much lower for a right back than for most right backs. And he's, you know, fine. And, like, he's fine when he has to do it. He's not, like, great. He's not, like, the worst liability in the league. He's fine. But I think what we've seen as the various failings of this team have cascaded is that he has to defend more now. And I think what we're seeing is when asked to defend more frequently, it is also making the instances when he has to defend worse. And mm-hmm. like, to me, the, the solution to that is, well, like, fix the team so he doesn't have to defend as much. But if he can't fix the team so that he doesn't have to defend as much, yeah, I, I, I think it is a problem. Um, the, the last point that I really have to make here is talking about all of this stuff. I can't believe I've, like, been doing this long enough to, like, have pieces in, in my, in, you know, in the back history of my work about Klopp's last season at, at Dortmund. But I do. 
I did. I, I, I wrote about it at Gritland. As do I. My, my first yeah. piece on ESPN.com. It was, uh, you know, analytics in the mainstream, baby. And, like, I remember doing a thing where, like, I'm squinting at all of these numbers. And, like, you squint at all these numbers and you're like, well, they're not really a problem. But they're kind of a little bit of a problem. But they're not as much of a problem as the results. But, like, it's not like everything's fine either. And, like, that was that Dortmund season. That is this Liverpool season. And it's just really freaky. Yeah, like, imagine that Liverpool had lost all of the games that they drew. Yeah. And were actually at the bottom of the table. Because that was the thing with, with that Klopp season, was that midway through the season, they were in the relegation spaces. And that was just one of the most insane runs of bad luck a team has ever had. At the same time, their underlying numbers coming from Klopp's Dortmund team that had previously been title contenders in the Bundesliga were merely top four-ish. And that was a big slowdown, and the team had clearly gotten worse. And That kind of interesting conversation about exactly how that team had gotten worse, and you can see the little ways that that's gotten worse, got completely swamped by just pure dumb luck Yeah, that they weren't finishing. And so now here we are with this Liverpool team under a clop, which is, I mean, 10th is maybe a little, but they've got a game in hand. They can just win a game and then they'll be in in like 7th, and that'll be about right. And so now we've got a team that is, is... into that place, and that's about right. And it's kind of like, it does kind of remind you of that if you abstract all the, away yeah, all of the and, really and, dumb stuff. And the thing that's really interesting to me is in both cases, there's not like a thing to point to. There's not like an, oh, they were doing this and now they're not. There's not like an, oh, this thing changed. Or even an, oh, this player's production is gone. It was just a lot of little things across the board not quite congealing. And I think I like I sort of remember thinking at the time, it is a shame they are running so bad because it would be interesting to see whether the numbers that had changed were also just variants or if there was like something that eventually we'd figure out what it was or if they would eventually fix themselves or what. And, like, now we sort of have a chance with this Liverpool team to, like, observe that dynamic. (laughs) Yeah. And And I think there is, like, a fair bit of room for both a number of these analyses to be correct and not, like, wildly out of our skis that, like, each of these players is a little bit worse and that is creating these cascade effects. And that those are still things that you kind of think that Jurgen Klopp is going to figure out a way to solve. Yeah. And, you know, still hasn't. But he's also going to get a a much longer leash than if he were, you know, in last place. And he's going to react to it and everyone's going to react to it differently than being in last place because, like, they're not playing that badly. And also, Liverpool famously hired him (laughs) while saying, oh, wow, no, there wasn't really... Everybody misunderstood what was going on in that Dortmund season. You were just kind of getting very, very unlucky. So, there is that. 
Yeah, and I, I love that that story involved him being like, yes, I remember each of these moments when we created this good chance and then it wasn't scored. Yep, yep. And that was, I mean, yeah. I, I, and like, to be clear, that's not really happening with with Liverpool. They've played in a little bit of bad luck. I mean, they, they have. Um, but like, kind of in the way that they're in 10th with 7th place numbers, even with the game in hand, as opposed to like, you know... There's a year where they're like struggling along and forth for sure, like like with with, with this performance. Oh yeah, so far. and then we're saying everybody else is, and then we're saying like, boy, I don't know about this Liverpool team, and everybody else is sort of like less alarmed. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. All right. Well, I I, I have I have tweaked my priors a little bit at the left and a little bit at the right. Next week, I, I don't know. I might do that some more. Are we are we here stuck in the middle with you? <laughs> Arsenal to the left of me, Liverpool to the right, or the other way around. I don't know. Yeah, so we'll be talking about Champions League later. We still got some questions to take on statistics. Everyone loves that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for uh, those of you who subscribe for subscribing. You can go to Patreon.com/slash/AllPivot. You can subscribe, and then that thank you will have been for you. That'd be pretty cool. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.